0: Drown by my perfect thigh, my perfect life Welcome to the Word on the Hill podcast My name is Father
1: Peter Musett. Are you from the South? I am. This okay. is the... the we're on the hill. Yeah, we're the lanky guys. Uh, yep. You said your name. I'm Scott Powell. You're Father Peter Mussel.
0: Yep. And, uh, and dude, here I, we are. I was watching Cars 3 yesterday at lunch.
1: Is that actually true? It was actually true. We were just talking about Cars 3 and you didn't say that, which makes me think it's made up. No, no, no. I didn't say it because I... Love, I uh, can I just say I love Cars 3? Can I'm going to admit to the whole listening audience that I tear up at Cry, Cars 3 every time. Dude, and I, I was, don't care what anybody thinks. I was crying like a mug, dude. Yesterday, have you ever lunch. seen
0: it before? Yeah, I mean, like, oh, okay. a bunch. And I, can't, I can't help myself every time. I'm. Like, it's beautiful. It's like because because there's something it's powerful. It's beautiful about, story. A, about don't release, give it away. About release. Don't give release, it away. Don't, you know, give, it away. Say, don't okay. give it away. Okay, I'm not gonna <laughs> do it. So uh, release. Yes, no, but release. Yeah, just of like I don't know, being truthful about who you really are. Mm. Um, even if it, like, and the difficulty of being truthful about who you really are.
1: It is difficult. In, in an existential it requir- way. Because it requires really, because you have to let go of something. Right. Mm. So I have no idea how. Oh, that, oh uh, Mike, uh, no, did you plan that out? A little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. I, I, uh,
1: you can color me surprised. Because this is not the first time we've started this podcast. <laughs> so the fact that you held on to that, for yeah, yeah, take number three. Yeah. So uh, we're in the 13th Sunday in ordinal time. Now, wait a second. Where do, okay, I, Ordinal Time still always confuses me a great deal, because last week was Corpus Christi. So we've been basically, we, we've been out of the Easter season for a while, right? But every Sunday since Easter, since Pentecost, has been kind of a special solemnity. Right. So we haven't really been in Ordinary Time until now.
0: Well, yeah, what happens is that, is that
1: according, to the, time. A, according to the Missal, uh, we
0: actually are in Ordinary Time, just the Sundays are super special. Okay, so,
1: okay, okay. So, so but ordinary time starts after Pentecost, right? Right. Yeah. Which, okay. Which, but
0: the Sundays have just been solemnities. Dude, I learned something crazy. Talk to me. Um, in I love the, crazy things. In the church- uh, The Catholic the, Church. B- before uh, the liturgical reform of Paul VI,
1: uh, we had the octave of Pentecost. Yes. And uh, and so we. You had- didn't just learn that because you've been saying that in your Pentecost homilies for years. No, I haven't. I guarantee you have. Really? You taught me that years ago. Or somebody did. Maybe it wasn't you. <laughs> well, okay, okay. But you but, were you, uh, maybe it was last the, Sunday, right? You were great... talking about being in Ireland and they celebrated the octave of Pentecost, right. which is real. But I feel like I've heard that before, which is really cool. I, we kind of lost something with and that, didn't well, we? Well,
0: listen to this: is that um, is that right? The the day Monday after Pentecost, uh-huh. Paul the Sixth went to go vest. Um, I was somebody was telling me the story. He went to go vest, and they and the sacristan put out green vestments. And he said, Why the day after Pentecost, okay. Yeah, Yeah, so it should be in the vigil. And he was like he was like, What's this? This is a vigil of Pentecost. And he said he said, No, no, that was that was eliminated. And he said, Who did that? <laughs> and the sacristan <laughs> looked and he said, You and <gasps> he and he started weeping. Oh <gasps> Seriously? Yeah. He signed a piece of paper and he didn't know that he had done it. No. Is that true? It's true. Or is that lore? No, no, that's not lore. Wow. And so he wept. And
1: so I think that that we should actually reinstate it. It is a little bit of a shame that we hit Pentecost. and, And Pentecost, I mean, we call it the birthday of the church. I mean, this is the profound moment when the Holy Spirit actually enlightens the apostles and the church and everything comes to life. But... For us, it's kind of at very, 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 very end of the Easter season, and we're kind of ready to be done, and we've kind of moved on already, and it, it is kind of forgotten in a certain right. sense.
0: But, cost, man.
1: but that's where we end up in these Sundays of Ordinary
0: Time. I actually yeah, think- anyways, that they're, Sorry, they're, that has nothing to like, do with this week. Like, ultimately, it's just we reorient ourselves towards the um, Jesus as Christ the King in his second coming. Speaking
1: of that, I have a shout out. Yo, okay? yo, 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 uh, shout it! And I meant to actually give this uh, a couple weeks ago, but we just, we've been busy. You've been out of town. We've been doing stuff. But I want to give a shout out to a couple of guys uh, Father William Summerlin and Father Sean Aaron, two of the newest priests in the Catholic Church who were just ordained. It was a few weeks back. They were ordained for the Diocese of Lafayette, Indiana. Um, and I just want to say, congratulations. To those guys, um, what, what? Father Michael, uh, Deacon Michael Block was also ordained to the transitional diaconate. You know the Diocese of Lafayette, Indiana, which um, prior to my work with them, we work with some of these guys at Campuito every year. Prior to my work with them, I just I didn't know anything about the Diocese of Lafayette, but they have consistently. For years, sent us some of the best of the best guys that I've ever experienced working with, dude. These guys are are, know them by their fruits, and I know these guys by their fruits. Father uh, Derek Aaron, who is brother, so Father, you met Father Derek, right? He was the first uh, seminarian from the Diocese of Lafayette that we had years and years ago. Father Dirk, um, he (laughs) was ordained years ago, but his brother was just ordained a couple weeks ago. Oh wow! How cool is that, right? That's brother. I think it's really cool. So Father, uh, I just said his name, Father Sean Aaron. So shout out to those guys. Thank you for, I I, I don't want to give a commentary. I mean, we got to get to the podcast, but I've just been thinking (laughs) about, so Father uh, Ned. um, Schneidecker. Schneidecker. I can never pronounce his last name. I also want to give a shout out because he's being ordained this weekend up in the Diocese of Helena, Montana. You took my steam. I was going to shout him out. Too late. You snooze, you lose. Ned, Nathan. Nathan. But I have been thinking about it. I mean, the fact that things are pretty dark in the church right now, besides the scandals and confusion. I mean, this is one of the darkest times the church has experienced. And we've been a church for a long time. And the very fact, I mean, imagining... The kind of priests that are being ordained right now. I mean, being ordained a priest in this day and age, you're not getting any accolades. You're not getting any pats on the back. I mean, there's a couple, but the world thinks you're a fool. The church is in so much confusion and weird darkness. And the holiness that it takes to actually go through seminary and be ordained in this day and age... I think when we look back on the church in 10, 15 years, the guys who are being ordained right now, I mean, we're going to transform the face of the church. So thank you so much for the guys who are saying yes right now in a day and age that uh, you're not getting many accolades for your uh, saying yes to your vocation. So I just want to thank those guys, Um, Father Ned, Father Aaron, Father uh, Summerlin, all you guys, and everybody else who's being ordained in the ordination season. Yeah. So
0: back to 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Back to it. Our uh, first reading is from the Kings of 1st,
1: chapter 19, 16b to 1921. That's a big jump. Uh, our psalm is coming from, the, our responsorial psalm, psalm 16, verse 1 through 2, 5, 7 through 8, 9 through 10, and 11. And the response itself is coming from 5a. Uh, lectura de segundo. Second reading. Is also from Galatians, chapter 5, 1, jumping to 13, 18. Speaking of big jumps. Our gospel is then coming from Luke chapter nineteen, verses fifty-one through sixty-two, the very beginning of what is called the travel discourse. And our acclamation is a combination of First Samuel
0: and John six, which naturally, is, <laughs> which is what I would have chosen. I mean, <laughs> just, I mean, just, just, uh, let's just I, I don't just even know what to it. say about that. <laughs> okay, so. First Kings. Okay, talk to me. So, what ends up happening is um you everybody knows the super famous passage where um you have the the um you
1: have uh, Elijah, Elijah, not Elisha. Do you know why we pronounce his name the way that we do? Have we talked about this on the podcast before? R- remind me. I, you know, I, it came up in my mind, but I couldn't remember why we do that. So Elijah is the one that gets kind of the most ink and the most notoriety, right? Elijah, Number one. Of, him. He shows up at the transfiguration and stuff. He's sort of seen oftentimes as the embodiment of the prophets, right? Um, Elisha, we often call him Elisha, but his name is actually pronounced Elisha. So there's Elijah and Elisha. And the reason that we started calling him Elisha is simply because of the poor schmo who had to pronounce his name lecturing at Mass. <laughs> because it sounds so much like Elijah, people got totally confused. So there's Elijah, and he was talking to Elisha, and then Elisha said this to Elijah, and Elijah went to Elisha, and everyone's was like, ah, we don't know who you're talking about. So the church started calling him Elisha, um, which is perfectly fine, but his name is actually Elisha. Yeah. Anyway. Because it, th- it debins- There's your lame fact for the day. Well,
0: no, I I also think that it, uh, it actually signifies the profound connection between discipler and disciple. Mm. Tell me more. I mean, their names are close.
1: Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's actually cool, though. The, the, story right. of the, the story of Elijah and Alicia though, is one of the sort of... Um, embodiments of what discipleship in the New Testament actually is meant to be. Right. The word disciple simply means the follower of a teacher. And so Elijah. One who takes on the discipline of another. Exactly right. And so part of the story of Elisha is, is training himself to become not just the follower, but then the one who will take the baton from Elijah. And it's funny though, because and I, I always who gets feel, a double portion of the spirit well, of Elijah. I always feel bad for Elisha because El, he does way more and double much. of everything than Elijah does, but Elijah gets all the credit. And I always thought the reason for that is because so Elisha does do twice as much. He gets the double portion of the spirit. But I always thought the reason that we we kind of reverence Elijah perhaps more is because we get an ins. It's not that he does more, but we get an insight into the heart of Elijah in a way that we don't get an insight into the heart of Elisha. Mm. We see Elijah's struggles. We see his turmoil. We see um, the struggling toward the spiritual life, right? The stages of the spiritual life played out in Elijah. So Elisha does more. But the church is all about quantity rather than just quantity. And not that Elisha's right. is not holy, but, but sometimes I've wondered and people have asked me that when I've taught about these two. But I think the reason we talk about Elijah more is just simply because we get more insight into his heart. Right. But that's not who we're talking about today.
0: But, uh,
1: so we know the scene that, that precedes
0: our passage today. Oh, do we? It's, they fa- he faces off about Baal. They says, call down the fire from heaven, and they do it, and then he kills all of them, and then well, he goes to the cave.
1: Yeah, really quick note on that. So, I mean, Elijah's job, you're talking about Elijah. Ja, with the J. Whose primary mission is to go and speak against an evil, sinful king in Israel? Right, we're in the Northern Kingdom. This is after the civil war. The Northern Kingdom has a, a, a he's he's an Israelite king, but he's following pagan gods. He's doing terrible things, and Elijah's Elijah rather, his job is to go and kind of call him to task, and he challenges his priests, and they have this kind of showdown. And all the stuff happens. I, so
0: he shows down. He wins. He kills them all. And then he goes and he freaks out. <laughs> and he goes to uh, uh, to uh, uh,
1: Carmel, Mount Carmel. Can I say a word about that? No. I don't want to k- keep stealing your thunder. But nope. I'm really struck by Elijah, though. Again, talking about the insight. So if you follow the scene of what just happened before this, yeah, I mean he's he has the showdown with the gods of Baal, these pagan gods. He he is victorious over this kind of evil king. And you get the impression that Elijah's like, well, now everything should be great because I was victorious. I won the battle. And what he realizes is, oh, guess what? Everybody still hates me. Everybody's still out to get me. They're still trying to, to cut my head off. So he flees to the wilderness and he's like, God, what the heck? He, he why goes into does a cave. this? Why is this happening? I thought I was your representative. I tried to be faithful, and everyone still hates me. Why does my life still stink, even which though is, I was faithful?
0: Which is encapsulated yeah. in his experience. He in looks the cave, for him. yeah. He, he's in the cave, and he looks for him in the fire. He looks for him in the earthquake, mm. and he's not there. And he's not there. And the and wind. Then, and the, the wind. wind. And then he finds him in the still small voice. Yeah. But then the still small voice says something like this is the, this is the part that we <laughs> still actually, a voice. Yeah. Yeah. Like like we, we actually miss the fact that he actually has something. And now, now we have to pay attention to the content of this. So he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out It stood in the entrance of the cave and said, behold. Um, and then God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs>
1: He's like, what?
0: Wait a minute. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, the son of Israel, have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and slain your prophets with the sword. And I, even only I am left and they yeah. seek
1: my life to take it away. So he's. But, but how often have we felt that way? Like those of us who are really trying to live out the faith, how often have you been like, it's just me. There's no, does nobody else get it? Is right. nobody else faithful? I am totally right. alone. That's where Elijah is. He's like, Only I am left. Nobody else is faithful. Everybody's abandoned me. I'm totally alone, God. And and listen to God's response yeah, to it's him. That's the best, isn't it? And the Lord
0: said to him, Okay, go return your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you're gonna anoint this new king, Hazel. Jesu. No. Oh, oh Hazel. Sorry, sorry, no. sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Hazel. Uh, Hazel or whatever. I'm just gonna say Hazel. Hazel will be king over Syria and 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 Jehu, the son of Nimshi. So you're gonna actually anoint two guys. hmm um, uh, oh, to be king over Syria and then Jehu, the son over Israel and Elisha, the son of Shaphat.
1: The well, it's Abel, weird because he actually anoints a king over a foreign nation that's not Israel. Right. So Hazel and so he anoints two kings
0: yeah. and then he's going to go to the to Elisha and him who escapes from the sword of
1: Hazel shall Jehu slay. And Hazel, remember, is the king of Syria, not right. Israel. So he's asked to anoint a king of another nation. So, so, so then the people are going to be refugees from Hazel, and then Jehu mm-hmm. is going to kill them.
0: <laughs> and him who escapes, <laughs> I'm sorry is to sort laugh of at Jehu, that, but just it shows you how things stink. Elisha's is going to slay. So mm-hmm. he's like, yeah. so, ba- so basically, like, th- this is the thing: is that he's running away from having like the fact that he just had to kill all these prophets of Baal, and he's like hiding, and which he's I'm not to convinced he
1: should have done. I guess that's another. Issue, but I'm not totally convinced he did the right thing there,
0: dude. In my own meditation, I'm like, "God help us!" Like, really, like, like, what a profoundly, absolutely difficult mission from mm. God. And then he says, "No, you're not done." Yeah, and and he's like, "Oh man!" Yet I will leave seven thousand in
1: Israel and all the knees that have not bowed to Baal in every mouth. And then now, wait, wait did you catch that's. I think that's one of the most important lines in this whole passage. What? Oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? Tell me, what was Elijah's complaint on the mountain? That he had to kill seven thousand prophets. No, nah, he all? wasn't mad about that. He was pretty happy about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. His complaint was, "I'm it." It's only me. I am oh, yeah, alone, yeah. right? Right. And what you just said was what God said to him. Actually, Elijah, like there's you, you've done 7, these great things. 000. There are seven thousand more like you. You don't see them. They're not the loudest. You're hiding your butt in a cave, right? Because it's a scary time to to be faithful. But he's reminded, mm. no, there's seven thousand, and that's. That's what's beautiful sort of about, I mean, and I I say this, I resonate with Elijah because there are so many, especially doing ministry in Boulder, Colorado and, and, you know, in the the atmosphere that we do it. And sometimes it does feel like, oh man, I I feel so alone. And God is always saying, no, there's, I have lots more. I I have my people and they are faithful and you don't always see them but I will always maintain my righteous remnant. They are there because I will care for and protect my people. So he tells Elijah, no, you're not alone. There's 7,000 more. And not only are there 7,000 more, but I'm actually going to give you a right-hand man. Not just, oh, they're these sort of amorphous people, but I'm going to give you a best friend. I'm going to give you a disciple, someone to walk with you so that you're really not alone, who is who Elisha is. Why Dude, are you looking at me like that? I'm looking at you like that because uh, everybody
0: Scott and I have been having like these really intense conversations yeah. about uh, particularly about how, how do you find your place within the church in this modern age? We've both been watching a lot of political
1: dramas, <laughs> so I think we're <laughs> we're conflating a little bit, but that's no, okay. No,
0: no, no. Like how do you how do you actually find your place within the church yeah, right yeah, now? I yeah. I I I'm looking and I've been talking with a lot of people who are experiencing tons of damage. Mm. Uh, I mean, the fallout from the scandals in the church are, it, it's like we went through all of the weird stages of grief. And now I actually think that we're experiencing the real mourning time yeah. uh, of like. When does anger set in? Is um, that first or right after? now? I okay. <laughs> <God>, got it. <laughs> right, right. Like, like, how many founders of religious communities have gone totally off the rails? How many <sighs> of our bishops have been caught yeah. up in the politics of power in the world? And how yeah. many of our, how many have have fallen in a way that that's like really like, which is actually a contrary experience to what we're mm. seeing of Alicia right now? Of those who have been invited into a discipleship, yes, that have uh, looked back. That have well, looked back and actually and like and and like we're looking and and it's it's really hard because you say I'm being faithful and it is real and I know it's important but it is like. Um, it's it's so challenging
1: in this contemporary environment. Well, and that's a good, uh, we actually haven't talked much about the actual reading this week, which what you did is actually set it up perfectly, though, because you've explained what's going on here. So Elijah is, you know, as we said, is told about Elisha. You're going to have this this sidekick. You're going to have this person you're going to anoint. You're going to anoint kings. You're a player, basically. You're, gonna, you're an important person in the world. Not only are you right. the one who is to anoint the next king of Israel, you are to anoint the kings. Of foreign lands as well. You're a big deal, and now, you have to. And you actually have to anoint your successor. And you have to anoint your successor. But it's not on you. I will tell you, and that that's what makes. Mm. That's what's important about this is because sometimes, when we're put in these positions of influence or authority, we tend to think it's all on me. I have to figure this out. I have to lead this organization. I have to lead this family. I have to lead this parish. You know, whatever it is. Don't put that but, on me. I'm oh, not oh, hold on, on, on! Actually, I do. Wait a minute. second. hold on. But what, <laughs> but what God says is, yeah, no, you're yeah. called to lead all this stuff. But I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. Right. I've chosen you f- to be a player in the world, an important person. But I'm going to tell you exactly how to play. Right. So there's going to be this guy. He's going to be standing there. You're going to get g- go him. <laughs> it's that one right there. I'm going to spell it out. And so. It says Elijah came out and he went. He came upon Elisha, the son of Shabbat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, which is sort of an implication. One of the things that's being implied here, there's a field that's being plowed with 12 yoke of oxen. One of the implications is that Elisha is probably pretty wealthy. A field that's being plowed with twelve oxen. It take a lot of resources to actually have that many oxen. You got a lot of them. that's a lot of feeding of oxen. It's a lot of feeding of oxen. It's probably a huge field. He's probably fairly wealthy. He's of some means, right? Right, and and most of them were blue. Um, some what. what? I can't. I'm just going to let Blue you Oxen? Know. Yeah, Blue Oxen. Is this a. Dude. is this a, a, it's a d- children's Davey, book. What What is the guy's name? The, the big, big tall blue, guy? Yes, Blue Oxen. Paul Bunyan?
0: Paul Bunyan.
1: We've degenerated <laughs> into Paul Bunyan. No, okay. man. This is not degeneration, man. This is just like narrative. <laughs> we have evolved to Paul Bunyan. Okay. <laughs> so Elijah went over to him. So imagine there's this guy, probably a wealthy son of a wealthy Landover. He's who, doing who, his
0: thing. Actually, he was a rapper in the 90s, Shea Fat, dude. Oh, my God. Come on dude. His last name is Fat with a PH. The bro is like a
1: 90s <laughs> Shea fat. Dude, Alicia's son of Shay fat dude. should more than it should. Yeah, man. Anyway, so Elijah goes over. He threw his cloak over him, which sounds super random, right? Actually, the Greek, the Greek is uh is um uh, goat skin. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice that he got that. He out of the threw gap. his goat skin over him, which was, you know, he was wearing some goat skin. Threw his cloak and and if, i mean that's so so elijah's not alone one of the things we learn from the story if you read the rest of first and second kings there are other prophets like elijah and elijah actually um is sort of the leader of this school so to speak, of sort of monastic prophets that are in the wilderness wandering around. Because you remember later on during the transfer of authority from Elijah to Elisha, yeah. there's all these other prophets who are there to witness it. And right. he's sort of their leader. There's others who are faithful. That's the point. But Elijah goes up. He throws the cloak or his his goat skin, whatever, over Elisha. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no. I mean, it, it's, it's, like, it's like the moment this is a bad analogy. It's like the moment that the old lady comes up to you after daily mass. She's like, I think you should be a priest. And you're like, Oh no, (laughs) I got to do that. Like, and it, it, it's the moment that it hits something deep inside of you. And you're like, yeah, no, that's, that's real. Mm -hmm. And he has this cloak put over him. And the fact that he responds the way he does means that it's a recognizable cultural symbol for Alicia. And he's like, Oh, I, I see what I'm being called to. I'm being beckoned here. And he's like, I get it, and I get the state of affairs in my nation. I see how dark things are, and I see how messed up things are in the leadership. Just give me a second. Let me go back and kiss. I get what you're asking me to do. What you're asking me to do is leave behind everything. You're asking me to give up my entire life, my inheritance, my past, my family, my land, everything. I understand through that simple act of putting your goat skin on me what's being asked of me. So just please let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And then I'm coming. And Elijah's like, Guy, go, go for it. What have I done? I'm not stopping you. Come back and follow me. Dude. And then he left him. He took. He, he actually slaughtered the oxen as this showing of like, I am disavowing myself of this life. And I'm now entering into this other life. I'm not going to be the wealthy son of a landowner anymore. Now I'm going to be a poor itinerant preacher who speaks truth in a world of corruption
0: dude can I, let's just talk for a second about how much meat 12 oxen is you know one that's side of, of meat. one side of beef is like what 400 450 pounds.
1: are you asking me? so, I, I, I don't so let's know. say let's say that like one <laughs> are you, are you one, asking me to do the one, math
0: one ox is let, let's just say that for for, for just uh, speculation's sake is a thousand pounds you know what I'm saying that's 12,000 pounds of meat. That would sustain you for a while. I mean, dude, what kind of- They're going to be
1: itinerant. There's another bunch I mean, of other prophets following them. And
0: that's, and it's boiled. I'm just going to say, I would make steaks. I would grill them. Did he boil them? Yeah, he, and he and he and and then yeah, he used the plowing them. equipment for fuel to boil their flesh. Well, you got to cook them somehow. I mean, that's a lot of plowing equipment. They don't e- have their I Frigidaire mean, oven. I'm just saying that- that That's a big deal. I do not know what kind of meat party that was, but
1: I would have wanted to one. be there. Ain't no party like a meat party because the meat party just don't stop. Whoop, whoop. Which takes us to the Psalm, Psalm 16. Well, hold on, hold on. Oh, okay. We were talking hold about <laughs> we were talking about um
0: uh Cars three. <laughs> <laughs> that we were. And this is very much a Cars three moment. Okay. Okay. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, that being said, <laughs> Okay, we're at Psalm 16. You are my inheritance, O Lord. Um. Th- th- there's so much. There's such an import with realizing who Alicia is. Again, we don't know well, much about Alicia. Well,
0: well, yeah, okay.
1: But what we're told is that what God asks of this man is to leave behind everything he knows. Will you entrust your past, your present, and your future to me? He has. The The fact that he's plowing a massive field with 12 oxen shows that he is probably heir to a massive inheritance, or a pretty substantial one, right? Mm. And the psalm is sort of giving a commentary on that, saying, no, 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 you are my In, in a world filled with sin, where people have forgotten to hear the voice of God, yeah. your fields and your oxen really don't matter. Your Tesla doesn't matter, in a world where God have st- people have stopped listening to the voice of God. Right. Because he is our inheritance. Dude, this is crazy. Thomas
0: actually thinks that this is a psalm. Aquinas? Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on a first name basis. Thanks, yeah, that's good. Um, so St. So Thomas actually talks about how this is a psalm that Jesus is praying to the Father, specifically about him not being left in hell.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa!
0: Back it up, back yeah. up the train there, but Buster. Christ, when he had suffered for us, was not left in hell. This is the voice of the church. Uh, the voice of the church as well. So he says that that this is Christ as the mystical body of of the church, uh-huh. saying that we're not we 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 are actually going to be taken care of mm. when we leave behind what was ta- what what was um uh, our inherit earthly mm. inheritance. And that, that actually which the, is what Alicia embodies, right? And that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And yeah, no, Thomas says this, and so it says that, like, so he says, you're, you you know, I, keep me safe. You know, your providence is going to actually have to provide for me, hmm. um, and you're going to show me all of these things that that like that I'm literally going to abandon myself entirely to you, and that's
1: actually what Christ's done in the Passion." Which is funny because Elisha, as he follow from this point on, Elisha, Elijah will actually take Elisha through a bunch of challenges and basically be like, hey, you just hang here. I'm going to go over there and minister. And, you know, all, all of these challenges to see, are you going to be a faithful disciple? Are you right. actually going to put your money where your mouth is? I right. get that God has asked me to call you. Right. But now that I've done my job and I've called you, are you going to follow? I mean, that's the key to discipleship. Right. What is discipleship? A call and a response. God calls each of us to follow Him. Will we do it? And so Elijah will take all the Elijah on all these challenges. Are you gonna Are you gonna follow after me? Are you gonna be faithful? You're a wealthy landowner. Are you gonna be willing? Are you able to actually disavow yourself of all of that and do these things? And what we see from Elijah who says, "You are You, God, are my inheritance, O Lord. You are my my refuge, and you are my allotted portion and cup. Not the land, not the oxen." he will because of that yes to god go on to literally do double than the greatest prophet in the history of salvation which is crazy the greatest prophet in salvation history this guy does t- twice as much as right which is significant but it's because he says yes and he's not known as the greatest prophet because we don't get the insight into his heart that we do to Elijah. But we see the fruit of it. And the fruit is that he does amazing stuff. He multiplies bread. He raises people from the dead. He goes and builds a shed. Everything's rhyming. But, you know, I mean, he does all of these things that are profound. What could God do through us if we were willing to separate ourselves from the things that comfort us and say, now nah, I'm going to go after you? I'll, I'll say yes.
0: And that's actually like this weird experience of being in the church asked to do significant missions I, like, like scott i really feel like oh, this podcast is a significant mission i laugh because we're in the basement like talking to each other and that there's a lot of people listening to this yeah. but like my experience when i go out in the world is that this is actually significant yeah and and, so. and and yet it's this kind of weirdly hidden thing because i look and i look at I look at these like huge figures Mm. um, in the contemporary church that we are in. You know, you got the Scott Hans and the Curtis Martins and the Tim Greys. You got the uh, Jay uh, Reyes. You've got the you've got the folks who are who are like going for it in a way that we exist a little bit we exist in their discipleship absolutely and and, and i look and, and like i am I, I am happy that they receive the praise that they give that I mean that, that that they get um but there's this part of me that goes like okay you know what i'm i'm like I'm, i feel a little bit like alicia sometimes That's like, the right way to be though Right. I mean, in this profound effectiveness, I mean, it's the same way. Mm-hmm. It's like as you're a priest, you look and you say, my bishop gets all this attention and I'm here
1: and I'm slaving away in the parish. Right. Mm-hmm. And then and then and everyone remembers his name, but they forget me. Right. Just and, like we remember Elijah, but we forget Elisha's name. Yeah. But then I look and I'm like, do you know what I get to do mm-hmm. every single day? Mm-hmm. It is
0: exactly what my bishop wish is he could do. Yeah. And I get to actually counsel people, be with them in the grit. Yeah. I get to actually run a parish and be maneuverable. I don't have to like live in the same way that he does. And I, and because of actually this hiddenness within Christ, I actually get to do these things without the same burdens as the ones who are like Elijah, who are so pronounced so out there that it's, um, but, but that at the same time, you know, like, what is the cost? I I mean, as an American, I mean, how obsessed are we with celebrity? We're so obsessed with celebrity that it's, that it's out of control. I look around and I, and I'm like, uh, I, I mean, we have full publications that have been running, making a lot of money that are singularly, singularly obsessed. I remember my dad talking to me about the um, World's Fair. I don't remember where it was. He, it was. I think it was like
1: in France or something when he was a boy. 1922 when I went to the World's Fair. The
0: <laughs> right. Right. My dad was talking about it. <laughs> the world, he you
1: went to the World's Fair?
0: He went to the World's Fair. This is what happens. OK. So but he was talking about how everybody was contributing all these things from all over the world. And he went to the American section and it was um, Elvis tabloids. It was Elvis's bed <laughs> and Marilyn Monroe's stuff. And, and he, that was the last year of the World's Fair. And and he was he was like he was like horrified oh. by the fact that America even then was so profoundly obsessed with celebrity oh. that they didn't even have people magazine then. But now, I mean and, and so like I think about that in and, and like in a certain sense, our antidote Is to actually not have celebrity, but to actually be within the granular experience of people's lives and show up for them in a way that is actually hidden in Christ, but bears fruit into eternity.
1: I don't know if you planned it, but I feel like you've literally summarized line for line Galatians in the second No, I didn't plan it. I'm just talking with you, bro. Because, I mean, listen to what Paul says. He's writing to the Galatians. Brothers and sisters, for freedom Christ set us free. Mm. And in a real way, you could look at the story of Alicia. As a story of, oh. of a man who has been set free. Right. Are you willing to come, just leave everything behind? Don't. And let's go to where God is going to lead you. And he talks about the yoke of slavery, which is, is what Alicia actually burned the yoke. He literally melts down yokes. So that he can have meat, and he says, "For you were called for freedom, brothers and sisters, but do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, which for is your which, own glory." In other words, which is the hypocrites who receive
0: praise on the street corners because they're praying and giving alms and I think you could stuff, but I think you could literally translate
1: this to as an opportunity Do not use this freedom as an opportunity for celebrity. Ooh, Because, you know, I'm going to be very honest and candid with all of you podcast listeners. There is something very appealing about the concept of Catholic celebrity. And I travel the country. I give talks. You know, I do things. We have this podcast. A lot of people listen to it. And there's something so seductive about this concept of, like, people know me. People listen to me. I've got fans, you know? And it's really, there's something deep inside of me that freaks out. A little bit because I realize how attractive that is and how nice that is. But he's saying, don't use this freedom. You've been set free from all this stuff. So don't use it for your own celebrity. Rather, Mm. serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. This is this is the yoke. Remember, we yeah, talked uh, yeah. a long time ago about the yoke in the Jewish worldview was the one sentence set, uh, one sentence summary of the law par excellence. He says, "For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement." This is Paul's yoke, namely, love your neighbor as yourself. So, if you've been given something, give it back. If you've been given some celebrity, serve someone else. I. Uh, I got a friend named Arthur Brooks. He was the head of the American Enterprise Institute, a big deal in Washington, D.C. Um, and he just wrote an article in The Atlantic recently. You guys should check it out. Find it online about how, you know, for people to be happy, we sort of burn, run out of steam in our professional lives around like 55 or so. And that's the moment that we should transition from. Uh, what, what did I say? I was just explaining this to you earlier. We should transition from innovator to instructor. And when is the moment that you're like, I'm, I'm going to lead, I'm going to build, I'm going to start new things, I'm going to innovate and do these things, and take a step back and be like, now I'm going to, it's Cars 3 again, right? Now I'm going to actually turn this over to somebody else. I'm going to teach teachers. This is 2 Timothy 2 too, right? I'm going to teach teachers how to teach. I'm going to give away what I've been given. This is where Elijah is like, everybody knows my name. Everybody knows Elijah, but now I'm going to turn over all of the authority that God has given me to this Mm, guy because it's not about me. And so for freedom, God has set me free of my celebrity because Elijah saw in this really acute way that his celebrity did not get him anywhere. Everybody knows me. Everybody saw me victorious over the, 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 the priests of Baal. Everybody saw what I did, and guess what? It didn't get me anything except alone in a cave where I was searching desperately for God's voice. And he says, it's not in all the loud accolades. It's not in the earthquake. It's not in the fire. It's not in the wind. It's in the still, small voice. So guess what, Elijah? Give it away to someone else. And that's where your glory will lie. When you give it to Elisha, then your glory will be set free because you have allowed yourself to be set free of your own glory and you've given it back to God. Right. And that's what I'm hearing in second, uh, in, in the second reading, Galatians. Wait, which is echoed v- like really, really well uh, by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> give it away, give it away, give away, it, give it away, away now. Give it, it, away, away, give give it, away, it give away, give it away, give it away, away, give it away now. now. <laughs>
0: like, right, exactly. Like
1: <laughs> I can picture half of our listeners just shaking their heads. <laughs> so like are like, did, did, saying, oh, did, did, come they on, just, guys. You they just going. do that. Which I, I, takes us to Luke, though. I mean, in a very real way.
0: This is it's so it, it's actually. I just have to say, Scott. So tell me, our whole conversation <laughs> before the podcast today has been like it, it's almost as if what we're talking about today <laughs> is the response of it's God. It's As if it's as if he is Imagine he that. is actually listening to. Uh, mm. We we made these really absolutely delicious. Um, they were like breakfast street taco, uh, <laughs> like.
1: Mushroom egg, they were things. delicious. They were like absolutely. Father Peter delicious. just went through his fridge. He's like, "What we got? What and do we you got?" You started pulling stuff out, and I'm like, eh, i don't know about this." Yeah, yeah. Scott was Scott was uh-huh. very curious to know what I was going to do. <laughs> That's a generous way to say. But
0: it. but then uh, it's it's a it's actually it's a beautiful thing. I mean, we actually live in a cave down here in the basement. A little bit. And, um, and are asking for the, the petition of God to be given us. I have to say, too, is the fame that I experience oftentimes with, uh, with, the, uh, <laughs> with the podcast crowd is like one guy I remember from Seek who's like, dude, my mom
1: loves you so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like this. My like, grandma <laughs> listens to you every day. I know
0: it. It really. It's like it's like this beautiful. You know how experience often of, we
1: get that kind of a thing. Like
0: diffused My fame. My mom loves you. It's like
1: everybody's mom loves us. I know it. it really. It really just makes me so happy. Diffused fame. There's the podcast title. <laughs> diffused. Thank you for giving me it. Podcast title. It's earlier than normal. Earlier than diffused normal. Diffused
0: fame. So then it. we get up to Lu- Luke nine. Luke nine. Um, which is. A Okay, as far as being on point for a reference
1: to what we're talking about is so on point. Can I just say, first of all, before anything else, Luke 9.51, which is where we start our, our, our gospel reading, it is the line of demarcation in the gospel of Luke. And this is the moment that Jesus's ministry begins to wind down and he... Heads he turns his face. he sets his face, says Luke, toward Jerusalem, which is so, so he's been ministering for three years. and now he heads toward the cross, which is so wild because
0: this is the place. So it's Luke nine that when you have the disciples on the road to Emmaus, when they are actually leaving Jerusalem, it's the most dramatic way of actually saying they're leaving the whole work that Uh, jesus began in luke 9 they're going the opposite direction they're going the opposite direction wow i've never thought about that i just Mm. when i was working on my uh, thesis it was like luke 9 Mm. just always echoed in my mind jesus had such resolve wow total decision and here are two people who are like bye and what does jesus (laughs) do he actually walks along with them absolutely right oh and absolutely and right.
1: so it's it's just wild so but yeah. this is the beginning yeah so so they're they're going. He sent messengers ahead. So he, he know, Jesus knows what he's doing. He's like, all right, let's turn that way now. And I know what's waiting for me down there. And so he heads. He sends messengers ahead. And these messengers uh, enter a Samaritan village. They prepare for his reception. And everyone's like, no, nah, we don't want that guy. We, we've got other options for Messiahs. We don't like this one. Dude, and the, the apostles, it's James and John. They're like... These guys don't like us. They don't recognize our celebrity. Do you want us to call fire down to burn the snot out of them? Because they don't recognize what... Do you realize what a big deal this podcast is? Oh, you don't listen to the podcast? We will destroy you. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what they're getting at, right? You don't realize who Jesus is? Let's call some fire down and burn your town to the ground. Wow. I mean, that that's what they're... They're, they're frustrated... By the non-recognition—and, you know, if if you really dig down deep into their hearts, I don't know if they're that concerned about Jesus. They're probably concerned about their own celebrity. Don't you know who I am? Do you not realize that I am one of the apostles to Jesus of Nazareth? We're a huge deal, right? But Jesus does what? He rebukes them. He's like, uh uh-uh, uh, that's not. He's like, yeah, no, this is not. No, the game that's we not. Play cool. right You're here. doing the opposite of Alicia. Right. Alicia disavowed himself of his wealth and his fame. You were trying to grasp onto it. And it says, they proceeded on their journey, and someone said to him, Hey, I've heard about you. Someone recognizes Jesus' as celebrity in a certain sense, right? He's like, I heard about you. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, Foxes have dens, and birds of the, earth, of the sky have nests but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, you're you're recognizing my fame, quote-unquote. You're recognizing that you've heard of me. You, you've got some celebrity idea of me. Well, guess what? What it means to follow me means to follow an itinerant preacher who has no home, who has no palace, who has no fields and no oxen. and I sleep on other people's couches or on the street. That's what it means to follow me. I have disavowed myself. I mean, really what Jesus is saying is in a certain sense a paraphrase of what is it, Philippians 2, the the great canonic hymn, the Son of God emptied himself. He did not see equality with God, something to be exploited or grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself. I have emptied myself. Are you still wanting to follow me? And it, strangely, we don't hear anything from this guy ever again. We don't know anything about him. Right. But that conversation ends pretty abruptly. Right. And then another one, he said, hey, follow me. Come after me. It's like Jesus sort of metaphorically puts the goat skin on him. Right. Like Alicia,
0: which is actually what's interesting is that um, I don't know what tradition it ever was. Uh, and I, it may be Byzantine. It may be old Latin um, is that in confession, you would actually take your stole. And in, in absolution, you would actually place your uh, the uh, one part really? of your stole on the person as you give them absolution. Really? Yeah. And huh. I, I like I've always That's found fascinating. that. Fascinating. I've, I've never heard that. Yeah. I've, I found it beautiful. And I, but I've, I don't know where it comes from. Wow. Yeah, but That's but, really beautiful. But but I actually think that that's actually part of what you
1: see here. I wonder that, if the, it is. Yeah. that is is that tradition could flow from that. Well, and so this guy, you know, he says he does that. And this guy says, well, let me just go bury my father. Now, in Jewish law, this is this needs to be noted. In Levitical law, in the Old Testament law, burying one's father is one of the most important things that you could possibly do. So when this guy says, I'd love to follow you. Just let me go bury my father who's just died first. It's not some trite response of like, oh, I need to do some stuff before I can follow you. You're like, it's I need to follow the yeah. law of the Old Testament and do the most important thing that's mandated to me.
0: Right. It's like, hey, hold on for one second. Um, I have to like make dinner.
1: It's not that. It's not that. However, on the flip side, the process of burial in the Jewish world—do you guys know? Do you know about this? Have we talked about this before? No. The burial process was 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 twofold. I'll say it really quick. Okay. So when somebody died, um, okay. there was a two-step process. The first thing you would do when someone died was basically shroud the body. And place it in a tomb. This is what's happening with Jesus when he dies, right? He's placed in this big tomb that's kind of like a cave. You've been to the Holy Land, right? Right. It's kind of like a cave where we believe he was buried. Yep. But if everybody was buried in a big cave like that, you'd run out of real estate pretty quickly, right? Right. So what you would do is you would actually leave the body shrouded in this kind of cave for a period of like a year or something, maybe a couple of years, Just and to then like you would wait. You would something? wait for the body to decompose, yeah. and then you would take the bones and you would place the bones in what's called an ossuary, and then you would place the ossuary, this little vessel, in the final resting place, right? So it's basically this very long two-step process where you would let the the body decompose. Because we talk about the bones of Abraham, the bones of St. Peter's bones and stuff, right? You had to let the body decompose, and then you would gather the bones together, and you would bury them. And so when this guy is like, let me just bury my father, he's saying, it's going to be a couple years before I can commit to you, Jesus. It's going to be a while. Mm. And Jesus is like, let the dead bury Basically what he's saying is, yeah, that thing that Elijah was doing when he allowed Elisha to go back and, and, and turn away from the plow and say goodbye to his mother and father. He had time for that. What I'm doing now, the moment in salvation history that we've reached in the time of Jesus, there ain't no time anymore. I'm not going to wait for two years for you to follow me. I, I get the value of bearing your father, and I'm not going against the law. What I'm saying is what I am up to right now is so urgent. And so immediate, because I know I'm headed to the cross, I am going to Calvary and it is happening immediately. And to wait is to miss it. And a lot of people are going to be asleep at the time. A lot of people are not going to be willing to turn away from the plow, to turn away from their oxen, their fields, and all that they have and all of the celebrity that they might want to build up to follow me to the cross. But my call right now is urgent and I do not have time to wait. And so what I'm calling you to is far, far greater than what Elisha was called to. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Luke is getting to in the gospel, is that what Jesus is calling us to is so far beyond what Elijah called Elisha to, what the greatest prophet of the Old Testament called the second greatest prophet of the Old Testament to, what Jesus has asked every single one of us is so far beyond that, our minds will stagger at it. There is no time for that because Jesus's act of salvation is bringing all of salvation and all of human history to a head, right. and there is no time to wait because now is now. Whew.
0: I mean, I look and um,
1: my sense of urgency—I
0: uh, I have peaks and valleys in it. I mean, like the the urgency of of actually trying to reach a, a group of people who are coming as a as freshmen into college. Yeah. My, I mean our urgency literally I know that two weeks of somebody's life can determine the rest of their lives yeah we've seen it yeah we've literally seen it i mean I mean I've seen it for 13 years yeah. here yeah and and so like but then it, it, but over time how easy is it for us to actually lose that sense of urgency yes I mean and and that's like you're talking about like 55 um Oh yeah. is is this age where you say like okay I'm innovating no I've actually got to move from from like being merely the leader of things to actually investing into other people's leadership of things. Because what it says is that it's not all about me. Right. And that there's an urgency too, Yes. to say like, like the Lord puts urgency into people's hearts. And as you right. get older, like your urgency wanes because you, because of your experience, it's, yes. it's, it's almost impossible not to have that deep sense of urgency. I mean, right. who, who are, who are the activists among us, but the young, mm, mm. The That's young true. are the ones who are activists who are saying like, no, and rightly s- so, Right. And because as you get older, I mean, I was actually really interesting. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about how um, through CRISPR and gene editing that he believes that um, that uh, aging is going to actually be solved and that we're going to hit the fountain of youth. And he and he asked me to do a, a thought experiment <laughs> to say, what would it be like if we actually reconsidered how we perceived age and we went back mm. to the time of Genesis mm. to where we didn't leave, live 80 years or a hundred years, but we were living two, three, four hundred years. Um it, mm. it, it it's a really it, it was an interesting thought mm. experiment. Mm. But but right now mm. I think that part of the reality of what it means to age as a human is to actually keep
1: the urgency of the gospel yeah. alive. Right. It, I, I, we, Which is hard to sustain for a long period of time because it's exhausting, right? And
0: but that's why the young are so good at it, mm. and that's why our investment and and mm. and our ability to actually call on the Elishas, yeah, to uh, and and because as Elijah, what kind of urgency did he feel against the priest of Baal? A ton. Yeah. Right. What, what kind of urgency did he feel to actually call upon those kings and to yeah. say, like, here, you guys better show up because yeah, right. because in the midst of that, God's providence is there. there there's no problem for God to be immediate. Like, right. that's actually the the whole reality of of who Jesus is and 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 uh, and the father and in the gospel of Mark, the immediate response. Right. We're actually meant to to do it in this way that is yeah. like, um. That's uh, that's now. Yeah. And yeah. that's actually why we do this each week. Yeah. Because because we, we have to respond. We're doing it now. And and we uh, and honestly, our, I mean, our our whole goal with this podcast is that you would take this method. Right. And to live it out. Right. To to have no hesitation to say, you know what? The connections are there. The Holy Spirit is active in the very best of man's intentions and the very worst of man's intentions,
1: Absolutely right.
0: And that the. the all there and that it's meant for the transformation and the salvation of souls, That's the, right. the supreme law of Christ. That's right. Praise God for that. Boo. Yeah. And it's not about us. Es- especially day. it's not about us. It's about the word of God. And that's actually yeah. why, uh, frankly, Scott, that's like why I love doing this podcast is that it's not about you and I, are, it's not about our opinions. No, it's, it's about it's trying not. to uh, more faithfully Encounter the word of
1: God in our lives, which I'm desperate for. That's why I love this podcast. And I I struggle with podcasts sometimes because so many podcasts are just, I just want to give my opinion to the world. It's just more CNN or Fox News or whatever. You guys don't need my opinion. You need the word of God. I need the word of God. I don't need to hear people's opinions. I need to hear the truth of the gospel. That's why- That's what we're trying to
0: unpack. Right. That's why, like, Scott, like the fact that specifically today that the word Spoke to our conversation yeah. in, a, in such a profound way yeah. that, like, that's why I keep on grinning at you and giving you all these <laughs> like crazy smiles, it's creeping me out. You know, like that's that's, that's <laughs> yeah, that's it's my true. job is because to say like no, like look, ha 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 God really <laughs> is, showing is showing up, It's showing up. That was the weirdest laugh I've given in like, a
1: That was ha, 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 ha. you should see how it registered on the <laughs> sound quite- <laughs> hey, All you- right, you guys. We gotta go. We will be back next week with a brand new podcast. <laughs> so until then,
0: keep it real. Don't fake the fun. Never fake the fun. Keep us in your prayers. We are going busy. in for a slam dunk.
1: Oh, boom! Bye. 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 The Word on the Hill podcast is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org/aict, and you can find the Lanky Guys podcast at lankyguys.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next time.